Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Cap City Sportscast. My name is Callahan Seed. I cover the Monona Grove Silver Eagles, the McFarland Spartans, the Cambridge Blue Jays, and the Deerfield Demons. My name is Peter Lindblad. I cover the Wanakee Warriors, uh, DeForest Norskis, Pointe Pumas, and Lodi Blue Devils. And I'm Ryan Gregory. I have uh, Sun Prairie East and West, Marshall, and Waterloo. Well, episode 63, level 3 of the playoffs now officially uh, about to be starting up here pretty soon. We've got three teams, I believe, now left in it, mm. if my math is correct. Mm. Had some teams face off against each other that knocked each other out and had some teams advance, also had some teams get knocked out. So, Ryan, I think i got to start with you because you had the Sun Prairie East versus Monona Grove matchup, which glad someone was be able to go to that game, and it looked like Sun Prairie East offense continues to roll. Yeah, you know, uh, it was definitely impressive from Monona Grove to get that level one upset win and kind of set up this this uh, rematch. Uh, obviously, in week one, we talked about it extensively. Uh, Sun Prairie East kind of lets up some touchdowns they shouldn't have late in the game in a 57-34 to win uh, to open up the season. And, um, you know, talking with uh, East quarterback Drew Kavanaugh, I mean, he lit them up in that game. I think he threw for five touchdowns and like 300 and some yards, and I was like, Seven touchdowns in total, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was six passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Just like, crazy stuff. I was like, "Did you give? Did that give you a lot of confidence heading into this one?" And he was like, "He was like, you know what? I hardly even remember that game. <laughs> he was like, that was like eleven something weeks ago. He's like, he's like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was like pretty calm because like I knew these guys, but you know that's a different team. We're a different team, and uh, it showed up in the final score as East romps to a forty-three to twelve win, and um. You know, Monona Grove was definitely game in that first quarter. I mean, East comes right out and scores. Uh, Kavanaugh throws a touchdown to Luke Dam. But Monona Grove, uh, Cal Moreau just throws the ball right down the field all over him and, you know, definitely didn't look like a sophomore there in a, in a level two playoff game. Just dotted some Prairie East up, was hitting open guys, and he throws for a 22-yard touchdown. Uh, just dropped it right in the basket over the shoulder of the guy. It was a beautiful pass and catch. And then, um, you know, East comes right back down, scores again. Monona Grove proceeds to take the uh, ensuing kickoff back um, for a touchdown, uh, but East blocked both of those extra point attempts. It was a, it turned from an accident into a ooh we're doing something wrong here when they got the second one. Uh, so East is leading 14-12 after the end of the first quarter, and then it's never a game again from there. It was um, a, a game dominated by some pretty East offensive line. I mean Monona Grove couldn't get a pass rush on. They couldn't even. A feign stopping the rushing attack. Brady Kaufman, uh, the sophomore running back with 141 yards and two touchdowns, just kind of did what they wanted uh, when it came to the uh, offensive side of the ball. And then the defense really put the clamps on. Uh, Jay Stolte and Max Raymer with interceptions in this game. Uh, but the most impressive thing was uh, right before the half, uh, Monona Grove broke off a big play to get down to the Sumper East 6. Um, with time winding down, East is only up 29-12. Uh, to 12, So, you know, it's still – a fairly tight ball game at that point, and Monona Grove's knocking on the door uh, at the six with about 20-ish seconds to play in the first half. And Sam Estrang with two huge pass breakups and uh, the, the second one coming on fourth down to uh, send it into the half without uh, letting the Silver Eagles score again. That was kind of uh, the momentum shifter as Sun Prairie's kind of just sat on the game in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was looking at my pre – doing up my previews, I thought for sure it was kind of be, you know – uh, hey, how is the Sun Prairie East uh, passing attack going to be against the Monona Grove secondary? And it was kind of the opposite because, you know, they kind of ran the ball a little bit better. They kind of struggled yep. a little bit in week one or maybe didn't do it 
uh, as good as you know some priests thought. But yeah, Kaufman. they didn't quite know who uh, Kaufman was yet when they played Monona Grove in Week One. Yeah, so an impressive game from Kaufman. Also, too, when I was looking at some of your highlights, but you go check out Ryan Gregory's Twitter feed. Hey, oh, for all the you know highlights and fun. Fun updates from games and stuff like that, but you know I thought that uh, some Prairie East was able to get some pressure on Moreau as well too, force him into some tough decisions in yeah. the second half as well too. Uh, so, which I think is, if you're a some Prairie East Cardinals fan, you got to be like, hey, we can, you know, defense can do its job, limit the uh, offense of the other team, and we go score more points. That's a pretty easy recipe to have to continue to advance into the next round. I'll touch on Monona Grove season and then I'll toss it over to get a little preview for. They're a level three playoff game. A good season for the Silver Eagles. They get their first playoff one uh, in a hot minute, so it was good to see them kind of have some extended uh, play in the postseason, get some practice uh, going and continue to get better. They'll obviously lose some pieces. You know, Gavin Hobowitz is a very explosive running back that they'll have to look to replace. A couple guys on the offensive line uh, they'll also have to look to replace as well too. Uh, but I think defensively, they'll return a lot of guys back. You know, Chase Yinko, leading tackler on the team, will connect. Uh, leading sack guy on the team, Tyler Donker's good. Caden Connor, both were team leaders in interceptions. They'll come back next year. Uh, and then offensively, you'll have Cal Moreau and Cal Worth come back as well, too. So a lot of pieces to work with next year for the Silver Eagles, and it's going to be interesting. And I think it's a good thing as well, too, as they move to the Badger Large next year as well, too, for uh, conference realignment to kind of have some of those key pieces come back. And so, Ryan, Sumper East now faces Slinger in the next round. Yeah, Sumper East portion of the bracket is kind of the North Shore Conference uh, portion with the uh, Hartford Sumper East uh, level one opponent, opponent being from there as well as Nicolay and Slinger. So you kind of can compare how they did against each other to kind of predict this game. Uh, Slinger in the regular season lost to Nicolay, who was upset by Monona Grove, who Sun Prairie East just put a hurting on. But, you know, both Slinger and Sun Prairie East beat Hartford in the regular season. And um, Slinger in level one had Beaver Dam and uh, did not beat them nearly as convincingly as the Cardinals did in the regular season. And so East will host uh, number four seed Slinger uh, on Friday at Bank of Sun Prairie. Um, likely their last home uh, playoff game of of the uh of the tournament because up up next will be the winner of Kettle Moraine and Badger and Kettle Moraine has been rolling over folks and I, I, I Badger's obviously a, a very good good team but I I think that Kettle Moraine is likely going to be the opponent next and uh, the winner of of that one goes to state so you know it's a similar situation to what the Cardinals were looking at last year as well yeah and that was uh, if they can keep the rain away from them a little yeah, bit geez. that should be had to play in a monsoon last time <laughs> very interesting time yeah I remember that I helped out Peter to go cover Lodi versus Catholic Memorial yeah. I had to leave at halftime I was like I am drenched I got enough photos like yep I have done my job the fact you got any photos that's the re- that's a real shout out to you <laughs> hey thank you esteemed photographer you know it boys um, I've had that happen before, uh, yeah. Speaking of Lodi as well, though, you know, Lodi again continuing their role to hopefully get to a state tournament, Peter? Yeah, um, it's funny. I, I'm probably going to say a lot of the same things about Lodi again as I'm saying about uh, Wanakee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really remarkable how similar they are defensively because they're just really good on all three levels, yep. and they showed it again this week. Wes Salem, who had been in the state title game last year um, for uh, was it Division 
Division three. three. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to say Division three, but then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah, that's I should have gone with my first instincts there. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, Lodi uh, hosted them uh, on Friday, and it obviously wasn't the same West Salem team as last right. year, but still great program. But uh, Lodi um, came out again and just dominated, uh, winning forty-two to nothing or forty-nine to nothing, I should say. Uh, Mason Lane accounted for five touchdowns in the game. Uh, didn't really have to uh, do much throwing. Um, he completed four or five passes for forty-five yards, kicking off uh, the scoring with a twenty-four-yard touchdown pass to Gavin Sargent. In the first quarter, he followed that with a nine-yard touchdown run. Uh, which put Lodi up 14 to nothing after uh, Jacobo Castillo-Rosales kicked the extra point. And they kept leaning on Lane uh, from uh, Moore in the second quarter. Uh, Signal Caller scored on runs of 19 and 10 yards. Um, and then before Kyler Clemens uh, broke free and uh, scored on a 41-yard run for uh, the Blue Devils' uh, fifth touchdown of the first half. Um, meanwhile, that, that Lodi defense was just had West Salem – just bottled up. Mm. Um, Panthers only had 90 to 7 yards of total offense for the entire Oof. game. So, in a uh, level 2 playoff game. In a level game. 2 wow. playoff game. <laughs> That's remarkable. Yeah. Um, Coach Poles, uh, David Poles, said uh, that defensively, um, he, he kind of uh, singled out Skyler Rose, um, Kyler Clemens, and Jace Kalinske uh, for having amazing games. Um, Skyler, uh, he led the team with four solo tackles and one tackle for a loss. Um, he played special teams and defense fan. Um, Kyler Clemens, three solo tackles, four assisted, and a tackle for loss. Um, Jace Kalinske had uh, three solo tackles, two assists, one tackle for loss, and an interception. Um, but uh, really, his biggest play of the night was a stop on a fourth and two um, that uh, that halted a uh, West Salem drive that had reached uh, Lodi's 12-yard line. Um, so was, he said it was that was basically a huge play that took all the wind out of West Salem, West Salem's uh, sales. Um, as Lodi then proceeded to go on an 88-yard touchdown drive uh, that really put the game away. So, um, and it just he he also uh, singled out the offensive line of Henry Keppen, Isaiah Grosskopf, uh, Ben Lichicki, Nick Week, and Josh Klon for uh, just kind of dominating things up front. Um, so uh, just kind of like uh, it's been for a long time. I mean, Lodi just kind of dominating things. Yep. Um, Lane uh, just, you know, another remarkable game. 115 yards rushing on just nine carries, four of them for t- one for touchdowns. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> and Kyler Clemens had 99 yards. And Brady Poles ended up with 105 yards on seven carries. So uh, once again, just a dominating performance. And they play uh, Appleton Xavier. Um, you know, uh, from the Fox Valley, um, you know, they've had a, a strong program for a lot of years. Yeah. So um, I don't know what they're like this year. I haven't gotten to my uh, preview stories yet. I did mm. get my, my preview stories last week before this <laughs> podcast, but I did not do that this yeah, week. Yeah, we had to push so. the pot up this week. So you get an excuse since exactly. we're recording on Wednesday. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, so um, it'll be that will be an interesting contest. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so also, too, might as well wrap up with Wanakia as well, too. I thought, you know, lacrosse, they played lacrosse central, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought lacrosse central would kind of yeah. give them some pitch. A one loss. Well, yeah, and Wanakia decided, oh, you think so, huh? You think they're going <laughs> to give us fits? Well, yeah. 
They again continue to roll. So I, I basically flipped the coin last week about which game I was going to go to. Yeah, right. Which blowout yeah, win which do you want to watch? Yeah. So uh, I, I went to go see uh, Wanaki play lacrosse central because central came in with that a really good record. Um, basically, this was another, uh, <laughs> another game where this time it was Wanaki's offensive line that was dominating. Mm-hmm. Wanaki rushed for 243 yards. Um they were really the key, you know, they're nicknamed the Hogs. They've been nicknamed the Hogs for years at Wanakee, and they they did the job again. Uh, Wanakee, you know, advanced to, to play New Richmond uh, next week. But they got things started early on. Um, a 22-yard run by quarterback Vance Johnson set up a two-yard plunge by uh, Ben Lindley, who I believe is the Offensive Player of the Year in the Badger Large. He was. Um, I'd give it to him. Yeah, it, it makes sense, right? And – Sam Hoagland, linebacker, made defensive player of the year, so and he had another good also game. Also not a surprise. Not a surprise. Yeah. The only non Wanaki player of the year was Logan Gross <laughs> right, from yeah, East on the offensive yeah, line. Exactly, yeah. So uh, so Lindley and then uh, broke free again for a thirty two yard scoring scamper, uh, making it fourteen nothing. And then probably the, the key uh, play of the game, if if you could say there was one in this one, um, Lacrosse Central was driving. You know, they came in with a really balanced offense. They had a really good running back. Um, they had a, you know, a strong passing game. And, but they, they weren't able to move the ball much in this game. But they had a drive going and only down two scores. They, they could have made something of it. They got down to the Wanakee 29, and they had a uh, third down and long. And um, Cole Savola, another linebacker from Wanakee, uh, just crashed in from uh, the side and sacked quarterback for about a I don't know, eight to ten yard loss which put them basically out of field goal range they ended up having to punt and it was pretty much downhill from there for uh central um just uh, you know the, lindley had a had his third touchdown of the night running from 19 yards out sullivan scadden caught a 22 yard scoring strike from johnson with 59 seconds left in the half that made it 42 to nothing pretty much putting it out of reach although it's probably you know, to be fair, is pretty much out of reach by then, anyways. Um, another just dominating performance from the Warriors, just like Lodi. Um, they held them to just six first downs and only 34 rushing yards. Um, that's, I would say, that's pretty good. Um, and Jude Alvarado, uh, Central's quarterback, you know, came in throwing the ball pretty well. They kept him to three of 17 passing, only 26 yards. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was remarkable, you know, so, uh, Lindley had 103 yards rushing on 11 carries, um, they also got 49 from Sebastian Rasmussen, 42 from, uh, Sullivan Scadden, uh, Vance Johnson, another nice game, uh, 10 of 14 passing for 149 yards and two touchdowns, um, David Emmer caught three passes for 61, he caught a big, uh, 29, I believe it was a 28, uh, yeah, 28-yard touchdown pass from Johnson, that was, uh, one that I, I think that was the score after the, the big stop, uh, from the solo sack, so that, that made it 21 nothing, and, uh, you know, pretty much put it out of reach from there. Um, the defense, uh, was, had a really good game, Danny Cotter had an interception. George Zimbrick uh, recovered a fumble. Um, Sam Hoagland and Luke Knack both forced the fumble. Four Warriors recorded sacks, including Wade Bryant, who had a huge year last year with almost 20 sacks in the, on the year. But he had another one. He's had another great year. Uh, Cole Savola had the one we talked about. Charles Farrell and McCoy Smith had a sack, too. So um, just, you know, and, and they had, you know, 
Oliver Lee led them with six tackles. He had Hoagland, Noah Joseph, and Smith, and Brian had five set tackles apiece. So it's not just one guy doing it. That, yep. It's a total team effort on defense, and it, it really is a remarkable thing to watch. Shows up in the stat book, that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah. so then I guess what game are you going to be at on uh, Friday, or do you not know yet? I don't know yet. I, you know, I am I, I, like, a, like a good coach. I'm taking it one day at a time. And I know it's Oh, well, yeah, I've heard that I a time have, or two. I have to be in Milwaukee to cover the DeForest boys soccer team. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I, I haven't thought that far ahead yet. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, so then if DeForest would win on Thursday, they would advance to championship yeah, Saturday. To if Saturday. Correctly. Yep. So, okay. You're so, probably yeah. trying to see, like, hmm, do I stay out in Milwaukee or right. do I just make all the yeah. run? Around? Yeah, right. I'll, I'll probably be running around. I'll probably get back home after thursday nice game oh, right. they don't pay us enough to get a hotel out there yeah, that's right. for sure <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, i sleep in my car yeah <laughs> I, I think the division two bracket deserves a little bit of a breakdown since we both have two teams um oh. re- remaining in it because wanakee and Semper east are on opposite sides i think that's yeah. worth saying because mm-hmm. wanakee and new richmond the two seed are playing for the right to get to the uh championship of their par- portion of the bracket against one seed kakana and three seed cedarburg and then uh, for some pre East, they'll be playing Slinger for the right to play the winner of one seed Kettle Moraine or two seed Badger. So we could see a uh, Cap City Sports Pat Sportscast state finals in the in awesome. Division Two between Wanakee <laughs> and Semper. It's yeah. possible. We oh, we could well, be on. And you guys are both going to cover that. Oh yeah, we'd be on opposite. We're not, we're not split. Shaking my fist at Peter from the other side of the <laughs> of the <laughs> sidelines down, uh, there at uh, Camp Randall. Right. And, and I'll show up in the stands as well too. <laughs> yeah. Walk over, get you guys' opinions on both games. Exactly. Yeah. Well, also too, I'm kind of amped though for the eventual state tournament. It's gonna be broadcast on uh, WKOW. Yeah. So yeah, that's on, cool. Yeah. It's on public TV finally because Bali Sports needs to just get shot into the sun so <laughs> they um, did that themselves yeah, yeah that is true <laughs> but yeah no i saw that and saw all the state tournaments being on wkow and all the abc affiliates i was like that's fantastic that's great to see uh so good more coverage for the local high school kids but also too last football team we have to talk about uh the mcfarland spartans they went down to monroe to be honest i didn't know how this game was going to go because earlier in the season, it was not a contest. Monroe just absolutely rolled over McFarland. But I give so much credit to the Spartans. They battled, uh, and you just could see the improvement that they had made throughout the year. And then it was just one of the things when I talked with Ackley afterwards, he was like, you know, we just had to keep believing. That's what you saw in this game. Like, uh, McFarland got out to a 14 nothing lead at some point in the second quarter. Braylon Roeder threw two touchdown passes to junior wide receiver Hayden Harrison. Uh, put the Spartans up early. And I like Mc, what McFarland was doing. They were going for it on fourth down. You know, they were just airing it out. They really didn't run the ball. If anything, a lot of it was just Roeder scrambling uh, for rushing yards, which I kind of like because Monroe can just dominate the line of scrimmage. So get him out, let your fast guys do all the work, mm. and see what happens. And so Monroe went down and scored, like, right before half. And so they trailed 14-6. to six. Uh, But, you know, McFarland was just doing a fantastic job of when you face a dominant heavy run team, just limiting them to like three four yard gains and also to another thing i realized well when i was photographing so many guys just gang tackling rallying to the ball if the first guy wasn't there to bring him down at least slow him down and let your buddies come and yep. take care of that so i thought cooper cornish uh nick capozo uh caden westpaul is an offensive lineman who played more a defensive lineman you know just trying to get some more bodies in there uh just so many guys i thought just played fantastically defensively 
really did a great job of just limiting that Monroe rushing attack. So they're up 14 to 6. Uh, Monroe comes out second half. They go down and score. Uh, they tie the game. And then they got to stop on a three and out. So I'm like, oh, momentum's starting to shift a little bit. But, you know, uh, McFarland responds back. They get a stop. Um, and then they get, you know, they just kept getting stops back and forth. Uh, Monroe took the lead uh, at one point. And then on McFarland's next possession, Roeder was able to find state track standout Andrew Kelly, who was matched up one-on-one against the cornerback. And Monroe had kind of been playing like a soft coverage with Kelly, so the underneath stuff was kind of open. But they really weren't playing with the safety over the top, which I thought was an interesting move because Kelly was able to break out of that tackle. And as soon as Kelly had space, he was gone. Yep. Like, just ran down the sideline, scored. So that put it 21-20. McFarland decided to go for two. They were unable to get it, which I thought, you know, was a 50-50 call. It's like it's one of the things you can put pressure on Monroe's offense if they're down because, uh, you know, it was just such a battle for them to try to score. Uh, but they were unable to get it. And then the onside kick, they were unable to get as well, too. Uh, and so then Monroe went down and scored on the short field. They were able to convert a couple fourth downs and third downs uh, and just got enough for it. So that made it 28-20, but McFarland put together one final drive, got into Monroe territory, unfortunately just fizzled out, had a couple of incompletions, and were unable to get it. But you know, What just, a fight. Yeah, just so much props. I mean, like, to get – to give up nearly, I think it was 500 rushing yards in the first in the first meeting, and then only keep up to under 300 yards. Like it's weird to say, like, hey, they didn't give up 300 yards, but like one, it's a huge improvement. But also too, like with Monroe relying heavily on their run tack, like I give so much to those guys, so much credit. Like they literally battled till the end. Yeah. And I kind of like I don't like using that in a story like where it's like, oh, they fought so hard. Yeah, it's a em- they, empty sentence. Yeah, they they. But they, they battled. I give a lot of those kids credit. And, you know, obviously a good senior class that graduates, but also, too, a lot of guys that will return as well, too, uh, that have that postseason experience now probably use that as a momentum boost into the offseason for all the guys that return defensively, Cooper Cornish. Uh, you know, it's going to be one of those guys that I expect to have another strong year. And, you know, just wanting to see where this happens. You know, they'll have uh, Andrew Molly come back as a running back. Uh, Hayden Harrison will come back as a wide receiver. Uh, Blake Bernhardt had a really nice game. So the passing attack had a great game against Monroe. So uh, hats off to McFarland for giving that such a battle. And, you know, a fun season for both McFarland uh, and Monona Grove, who end their season at level two. So, you know, good season. Yeah. And also, too, now that we have a little bit of time left, we have a little bit of time to talk about some other sports as well, too. We got to talk about state tennis and state golf as well, too. Because, Peter, you had uh, some state golfers do some really good things at State. It feels like uh, a year ago. Yeah, no uh, kidding. It does feel like forever (laughs) ago now. (laughs) But it was was quite the the tournament, uh, state tournament for Wanakee Golf. Uh, Izzy Stricker won her second straight uh, individual title. Um, She carried a two-day total of 144, firing a 71 on the first day and a 73 on the next. but as a team, the Warriors finished second. A uh, little bittersweet there for her. She was really hoping to lead the team um, to that team trophy. Um, she she had a, a, an interesting um, second day. She uh, she said that she really started to come alive on holes 9, 10, and 11, really handled those shooting th- uh, three under um, for those three holes. And then she said she started to feel the nerves again on uh, hole 15, you know, when 
you got two teams kind of neck and neck. So, um, but interestingly, um, Caroline Cutrano, who finished 56th individually for Wanakee, with a, she finished with a 184. She birdied two of her last three holes to give Wanakee a chance. But they ran into a little bit of bad luck because Wanakee's other top golfer, Jordan Chipshock, who finished 12th, uh, hole number 17, she hits the flag or the, the stick on her tee shot uh, on a par Ooh. three. And the ball rolled off the green. Oh, <laughs> that's so, brutal. You know, as they're uh, trying to, uh, you know, catch, uh, well, I guess uh, trying to overcome uh, Divine Savior Holy Angels, who actually ended up winning it, um, you know, that's that's a huge that's shot. That's the shot that makes you not want to go back out on Yeah, yeah no kidding. No, that's so frustrating. Such a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So Wanakee finished uh, two shots off the pace uh, of Divine Savior Holy Angels with a 643. Uh, DSHA had a 641. Um, great year for uh, for Wanakee. Um, uh, Ship Shock, she was a little disappointed with her 12th place finish, but she, she did have a birdie on 11 on day one and then on number eight and 16 on day two. So she had that birdie on 16, and then she makes that great tee shot oh, on man. 17. But just, uh, yeah, but just a, a little disappointed. Um, but it was interesting talking to both uh, uh, Stricker and uh, Shipshock. Um, you know, they, they came in as freshmen uh, together. And uh, they've really, they really talked about um, how they, uh, you know, both of them really, really pay attention to the psychological part of the game. Um, and they really, they talk about that a lot. Of course, uh, Izzy is the daughter of, professional golfer steve stricker mm -hmm. um so she's got maybe a little <laughs> step up there uh but they both talked a lot about that and uh, about how their coaches kind of keep them centered um talking about some of the uh the words they give them before a tournament this year it was commitment and trust and then they also said they talk about how they tell little stories while they're out on the course to kind of maybe get their mind off it if they're you know kind of uh, kind of struggling. So, yep. Um, but uh, yeah, very interesting tournament for Wanaki. Uh, no shame in finishing second, only two strokes back. But uh, yeah. man, they were they were hoping they could do a little better. A lot of schools would kill to have a second yeah, place no finish kidding, at state. No <laughs> Plus an individual champion. Yeah. And then uh, DeForest also had a golfer there as well too, right? They did. Abby Hendrickson did really uh, really well. Um, she's only a freshman. Um, she made second team all state. So, um, you know, the future is really bright for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought Monona Grove had some really good uh, seasons. They uh, didn't have anybody qualify for state, but, you know, Lauren Reed won regionals, which was a very waterslogged course. Uh, so, credit for her for that. And then also, too, you know, Cambridge and McFarland, Mia Burchette for the Spartans had a really strong year. And Jill Thompson as well, too, for the Blue Jays had a really strong year as well too so future's bright for both of them as well too ryan anything you wanted to add for uh golf or did you want to get into tennis uh the future's also bright in sun prairie because freshmen led the, both east and west this year with stella summers leading east and eva laroe leading west uh both honor, honorable mention all conference selections and uh both were pretty much all year long the number one on the on their team so you know it's it's going to be a budding rivalry it's going to be awesome to watch them for the next three years kind of duke it out there because you know They've already set the precedent that they're the best golfers on their team, and three more years of that, there's going to be some great battles coming up. Absolutely, and then uh, go, transitioning into tennis, you had the uh, highest uh, 
place finisher, I guess, is how I would word it with Annalise Yang having a solid tournament. I mean, what a career for her. A state title as a freshman and goes to state uh, all four years that she is in high school. Uh, this year she comes into the tournament as a six seed. I know that, the, that they were hoping for a little bit higher. They are hoping for a four or five. And, you know, she proved them wrong because she beat an 11 seed from Middleton in, I believe, the second round and beat the three seed from Whitefish Bay um, in the semifinals or in the in the quarterfinals rather um so n- nothing but not nothing but props to her i mean she lost to the eventual state champion in the uh in the semifinal round and then in the third place match she was up against the number one overall seed so you know it's uh, a bit of a tough break with how things just kind of worked out there as far as seeding and matchups go but you know there's nothing to take away from the career that annalise yang had at, at state all four years and as you know, been one of the state's best tennis players the, for the entirety of that run. So, you know, massive props to her for finishing out the her career the way that she did. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, for Monona Grove, Eliza Martin qualified again uh, as an individual state. Got a win in the first round with a sweep. And then second round, she unfortunately got bounced. But uh, when talking with everybody about it afterwards, you know, it seemed like the nerves kind of had went away and she felt a lot more confident. So, again, just continuing to grow and she gets to come back for her senior year with two state appearances, so it's something you can definitely build on uh, as well, too. And then Marissa Light and Riley Perkins, you know, their first-round match, they faced off against Wanakee, and it was a real strong battle till the end. And so, you know, Coach Willauer said, you know, props to Wanakee for giving them such a strong battle. And just I figured that's how it would be, you know, when you have two badger-large conference opponents facing off against each other. And it was fun. I got to chat with them. Uh, unfortunately for the girls, it was right after the homecoming dance, like the Sunday morning. Uh, so I was like, oh, I feel kind of bad that you yeah. guys had to get up early for this. <laughs> but uh, props to them for getting up for it. And, yeah, definitely go check out that article. And then Peter, uh, yeah, looked like they had some fun there too for you guys. Yeah, uh, Clara Yeager had a big first-round victory. Uh, she beat a girl from uh, Nina, the number one uh, singles player. Um, first set, uh, playing not to lose, but she ended up winning 6-3. to three. And you would have thought that would have killed her nerves, but she came out at a rough start in the second set, uh, had three ground stroke errors right away, found herself down 0-3, but she came back and she won the second set 6-4. Tough matchup in the second. Um, she lost to the eventual champion. So. Yeah, and DeForest also had a good run in there as well, too. We'll talk about that more next week. Thank you, guys.